0: Thank you for tuning into the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, and I kind of want to talk about this last week's episode of Ahsoka uh, on Disney+. It is episode seven. It is titled, I got this wrong earlier, I got to do it again, Dreams and Madness. Dreams and Madness. Kind of sounds like a Alice in Wonderland, right? Which is interesting. Um... Alice in Wonderland was kind of the theme for me this week. Um, There is the idea of uh, eat this, drink this, and make yourself small, make yourself big, go into another world sort of situation. And maybe that's a baseline for a lot of the television that is popular right now. Um, So with Ahsoka, um, you know, we get to see Ahsoka traveling to try to save her friends, uh, her Padawan, Uh, Sabine Wren, on this planet that she's traveled inside of a whale, Moby Dick style, to. Um, And she's also wanting to find Ezra Bridger, who is supposed to be, you know, a very strong force sensitive Jedi. Um, But in the process, it is the danger of also possibly releasing Thrawn. And we know that Thrawn is going to be released because there is plans for them to make three movies based upon the books from Timothy Zahn, uh, The Heir of the Empire. And I'm excited for it. I'm here. I'm here for all of it. Um, Part of my thought is they have cast all of these characters fairly young so that they can continue to play these characters for a while, which is great. Um, I see them ushering the storyline forward, which is another great thing. Um, But there's moments in here in this episode in particular that I thought was very impressive there is a moment between Balin Scroll and Shin Hati where he's telling his young Padawan, you know, you have, we have different interests. You are driven uh, to achieve these goals and to have power, and I am not. And so, and he says very quickly, let me leave you with these parting words. Basically, he's saying, you go chase that, but also let me give you one last lesson, one last piece of advice. And I thought it was well-crafted the way they said it. Uh, Impatience for victory guarantees defeat. Basically, he's telling her, don't be, don't be foolish. Don't be in so much of a hurry that you end up getting hurt. Um, you know, when I was younger, I came out of the Marine Corps, and um, I had a boss who constantly would say that I was the typical... Young bull. And I told him, I said, I don't, I don't I don't know what that means. What is that I don't is that an insult? Is that a compliment? What does that what does that mean? And he says, Oh, you'll know. You'll know one day. And he kept saying it, you'll know one day. Well, we didn't have the internet and I couldn't look up the the term young bull to find out what that meant. But basically what he was saying was oops, sorry. Basically what he was saying was, was that I was too too impetuous and too full of energy to realize that I was making mistakes as I was making them. Then I could achieve my goals a lot better if I just slowed down, had a little more patience. And he was right. Um, and that's sort of what Balin scroll is saying to his young pupil in this moment. He's telling her, you know, I have a different goal. I'm going to go off on of my path and I'm going to set you on yours. You have all the tools that you need, but understand and if you're impatient, it will guarantee your defeat. So he's telling her, be patient. Find your patience. You may rush into here and you may find yourself overwhelmed. Do not go forward with it if you, you know, it's like a, like a warning. Um, Think before you jump, you know, that sort of thing. So quickly we see the, not quickly, but in the episode we see the reuniting Of Sabine, Ren, and Ezra, and they're being attacked by Shin-Hati and these, uh, I don't know if they're just mercenaries that are out in this wild land that they've had come along with them, but they go to attack, and then there's clone troopers that come to attack these death troopers, I guess you want to call them, uh, that may be uh, reimagined or reanimated by the Night Sisters, and they're going to attack everybody. And it seems like they're vastly outnumbered, Uh, but we know that we have a Force-sensitive Jedi in the middle there with Ezra Bridger, and then you've got a Mandalorian in Sabine Wren who's got, you know, tons of firearms, and you get to see her use all of her abilities in this with the uh, Mandalorian gear that she has. The flamethrower out of the arm, the um, whistling bird... Rockets that come out of her wrists, the the two blasters she has. She even uses her lightsaber. She offers it up to Ezra and Ezra says, I don't need it. I have the force with me. And basically he fights a young Shin Hati with nothing but the force. Like he's able to dodge her parries and blows and use the force to stop the lightsaber from even coming towards him. And he does a lot of force pull and force push, but you get to see a dancing of collaboration between him and Sabine Wren in this battle. And right away, live action wise, they were able to sort of uh, show the relationship that they had in the in the cartoon show, the rebels, they were able to show them being able to cooperate on a level that was um, very beneficial to both of them, but also used their best talents Uh, Together, And I thought live action wise, it was very well done. I thought they did a great job of showing all of their skills and their relationship in a way um, in this battle. I mean, it was I know it's supposed to be an action sort of thing, but to me, it was more of a relationship discussion uh, on screen um, to see them working together. So it's always cool to see a good team up. And we get to see them somewhat overwhelmed again, and at the right time, we get to see ahsoka join in into the battle. She gets to use her Jedi powers to find where Sabine Wren is and comes in at just the right time um She even has a battle with Balin Scroll. She realizes really quickly that she is uh not as good with a lightsaber as he is um but her connection to the force is stronger, and so she survives another day. Um, we get to have a good, you know, battle confrontation and discussion between those two and you get to see the team reunited. So yay team. Um, I'm looking forward to this week's episode coming up. Uh, it will be the eighth and final episode of season one. Um, I was excited to see a cameo from C3PO in this episode and a mention of, um, senator organa which we all know as princess leia uh in this timeline she would have been basically taking on a similar role to what her mother did um in the movies we saw that she was you know born and then taken in by senator organa and raised in the palace and in the show obi-wan we get to see her as a young kid being raised as senator organa's daughter and she just kept the name um they call her leia but uh we learn as the shows have progressed that she's Leia Organa uh, because she was raised by these, the Organa family. Now um, it was really cool to see C-3PO and yes, the actor who plays him was still him in this show. Uh, I thought it was really cool to have a moment uh, in their galactic council or whatever, debating the issue of whether or not they should find Hera Responsible for neglect of her duties, uh, when they had told her to stand down, and she went anyway to go save her friend. It was very interesting to see Chopper in the same room, and nobody mentioned the fact that he um, is basically a war criminal. Uh, but <laughs> he's a droid, so I mean, you know, you just move on, right? Uh, He—he's—I love—I love Chopper. He's awesome. If you don't know why Chopper is cool, you got to watch Rebels. It is awesome. He is awesome. The, the the team is awesome. I love it. I love everything about it. So they don't waste any energies whenever they're casting things. Uh, they always find a way to reuse names and reuse voices and actors and stuff like that. So we have heard rumor that Freddie Prince Jr. Um, got to do the voice of Kanan Sedula. Uh, all right. Is his last name Sandula? Kanan? Anyway, Kanan from Rebels. Anyway, he was, he's Jason Sandula's father. He was a Jedi master. Anyway, we've seen a picture of him on the dash of Hera's ship, the Phantom. And uh, we know that he is going to appear at some point. The ghost, the phantom, whichever. We know that he's going to appear somewhere on the show, maybe as a flashback, maybe as a force ghost. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to that. We also see in this episode a conversation video recording that Anakin was able to make for his Padawan Ahsoka, and she mentions as she's talking to Hu Yang that there is 20 of these that he made for her, thinking that he was going to continue her training at some point, and he made these video files for her to continue training um, because his goal was to be a Jedi Master and to basically, you know, have her be a Jedi Knight. And in this training, there's a lot of lessons. Well, he mentions in these videos um, conversations about battling with Count Dooku and Asad Ventress. And I really, 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 really hope we get to see a live-action Asad Ventress. Um, I mean, I know it's going to be hard to cast someone to play Count Dooku now that, you know, the guy who played him passed away. Um, but they've had a good voice actor in the animated show and maybe he looks like the guy. I don't know. Um, but I hope that they're able to bring those characters to life. Cause I, I would think that would be really, really amazing to see. Um, if you haven't watched it, there's tons of content that is animated. That's on Disney plus that gives you all of the background of who these characters are, why they matter. And it's just awesome. The writing is great. Um, So anyway, stick around next week and I'll talk about the finale and what it, what it means and what it means to me and how impactful it is. Uh, not that anybody else cares, but I do. And maybe there's some Star Wars fans out there that care also. So, all right, switching gears a little bit. Um, speaking of Alice in Wonderland, uh, the idea of eat this and, uh, get small and drink this and get big or vice versa. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, there's a show on Amazon Prime called the cast of or it's the um the show's called Gen V uh generation V is what it stands for and it is a spin-off of the show The Boys. Now I've talked about The Boys on here before. It's basically a superhero show where the superheroes are super messed up and um in the show they have developed the idea that the superheroes were not just born that way, um, they are actually given this stuff called uh, V and this V gives them power. The also, the problem is that V is unpredictable. So um, they uncover in the show that kids were given V because parents decided that, you know, Hey, if we give our kids superpowers, then maybe they can, you know, be financially successful because they can do something and possibly be able to sell shoes or cars or whatever, energy drinks, whatever the thing is. Um, that's ultimately how they make money It's just advertising. So it's almost like a bunch of people sat around and thought up ideas of what if these superheroes are really messed up? Yeah, but how do they make a living? Like, how do you like I like how the, this show was developed and Gen V is the spinoff of basically these kids are just past high school age and getting ready to go to college and what is their life like do they have powers are they college kids with powers how does that affect their life what are they doing and this is basically taking that idea and running with it um three episodes popped up right away on september 28th and i watched all three of them back to back um they're about an hour long they're really messed up they're really uh they're vulgar. They're they're bloody. They're gross. They're dangerous. They're everything you would think about a twenty year old with superpowers is. That's it. That's that's the show. Um, there they uncover something that's being uh, covered up, and they want to find the answers. But to do so, they're having to break their own morals and compasses and all this other stuff. And there is a character on there that's already my favorite character. Uh, They call her Little Cricket, or she calls herself Little Cricket, because she can shrink down to the size of a cricket. And when we first meet her, she is actually in like a plastic wrestling ring um, fighting hamsters or rats or mice or something. I don't know. But it's entertaining. Um, And right away, I like her. I think she's interesting. But uh, spoiler, uh, with the eat me, drink me situation, uh, the way she shrinks down is she has to vomit like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Every time she vomits, she shrinks. And it's really disgusting and it's really painful for her. But it's also her way she uses her power. So she has to sort of make herself do it, but it's not pleasant. You know what I mean? And then to get big, she basically has to just keep eating all the time. That's how she maintains her size. So it's a weird power... It is very Alice in Wonderland-y, uh, but I like it, and I like the characters, and she's my favorite so far. So anyway, um, if you're curious about it, check it out, but be warned, it is not uh, it is not PG. So yeah, just you're warned. All right. Next, we got a show called One Piece. It's on Netflix. Um, it's based on a Japanese manga that came out in 99. Uh, i don't know a lot about manga. I know that it was a form of Japanese animation. Um, but um, yeah, I started watching this and I was thinking right off the bat, these are the weirdest characters I've ever seen. And I know this is based on Japanese manga, but like I had a big question, does this even match what the show is? Because I have nothing to measure it by. I didn't, I didn't read any of the comics. I didn't watch any of the shows. I don't know anything about these characters. And the way they introduce them is very... Japanese manga comic bookish um you know you have an introduction and a flash of their name and they the pose of ha i am the bad guy i am so and so you know and then they battle and it's goofy and silly and and it's weird it's um it's weirdly almost made for kids except for the fact that there's um within the first episode a guy's naked butt for no reason i mean there's no reason to have it um But there's a guy's naked butt. Not that it's like a a sexual thing. He's posing for a picture. But I'm like, why do we need to have your naked butt? But maybe that's part of the character. Maybe that's part of the appeal. I don't know. Um, The violence in it is, uh, for the most part, very comical. uh, Because your main character is made of rubber. And you learn why he's made of rubber. Uh, But basically, he can stretch really far out. His neck, his arms, and everything. And you can't really kill him. Cause he just keeps bouncing back like rubber kind of had the idea of I'm rubber. You're glue It sticks on you It bounces off me and sticks on you. Um, that's kind of the way he battles everybody is they try to, they try to do him in and he bounces back. Um, it's, it's weirdly okay. Um, I didn't, I wasn't loving the show until we met the chef and the young guy that's going to play, basically playing the, the kid he raised, um, they get deserted on an island and the, the chef has got one leg and you find out why he has one leg because basically they were deserted on an island and he ate his leg. Um, to me, that's when the show got real. Uh, up to that point, it was just it was just so goofy. Now, I have gone back and purposely tried to watch uh, some of the Japanese animated stuff. And I got to tell you, they cast these kids, this, this whole group, they cast them perfectly. Um, everybody looks like the cartoon. And it's weird to have like live action people look like cartoons, uh, on purpose when it's sort of tongue in cheek style. And this is, and it's done well. Um, I was weirdly entertained. I kept expecting to go, why am I watching this crap? But every episode I was like, Oh, that was was pretty cool. I mean, every episode, um, just, I don't know. I'm hooked. I'm going to watch it. They've done a good job. Um, apparently the show has been very popular for 20 plus years. Uh, I just read online that they're still writing the Japanese manga. So this could go on for quite a while, uh, in live action as long as they have the viewers and, uh, and yeah, so I enjoyed it. Um, that's my take on that. All right. So moving forward to the, again, the Alice in Wonderland, uh, portion of this, uh, the avatar, the, was it the way of the water? Do I have it up here? I moved it. No, I didn't. Here it is. Okay. Sorry. I'm doing this bird style. I have open tabs on my screen. I'm just trying to find where I put it. The way of the water, um, looks really amazing. Just like the first avatar movie. It is weird that it took them this long to make a second movie. Uh, I get the fact that everybody has other projects and you want to kind of move forward with things and, and oddly, time wise, they've given our cast an age up as well, similar to how they've really aged up. Um, they now, you know, the main characters have kids and the kids are aged appropriately to the timeline of when we last saw them. And the story takes off. And they, I was curious how they were going to even have a second story or a third or a fourth, but we we're reintroduced to the, um, to the humans, they're the bad guys. Oh no, they're hurting the planet, sort of thing. Uh, and that style is predictable as far as what the story's going to be, but the reiteration into the world of, you know, the way of the water um, with them being underwater versus the forest, now we get to see basically a whole new world. A whole new world! But it's uh underwater. Which I know James Cameron is fascinated with things underwater because he has the submarine, and he's going to see the Titanic, and he's spend a lot of money with things underwater, like, uh, the abyss, uh, you know, things of that nature, but this is actually okay. Um, it's, listen, it's bad when you tell it, say that a movie that costs $250 million to make, is okay, but it's okay for me. It's okay. Um, I asked, uh, I asked a young lady, you know, we were talking about movies and stuff and I said, I've watched it. And she said, I thought it was actually better than the first one. And I was like, really? Um, and I think as a movie, it is better than the first one. Although the first one really blew me away because of the visual effects and the 3d. Um, and I didn't watch this in 3d. I watched it at home and maybe that's a factor as well. I was so blown away by the first one, but this one, this one visually was very pretty, very cool. Um, Very different in a lot of ways, Um, but it was okay. I liked it. I mean, I'll watch more. Um, So anyway, if I had to give it a a rating, I'd give it a a six and a half out of 10. Yeah. If we're doing this uh, confused breakfast style. So anyway, moving forward, um, what is the new thing? Oh. Oh. Show on Netflix. I've watched several seasons of this. This is the fourth and final season of sex education. I wish it wasn't the final, but it is. Um, I mean, basically, these characters have been doing this for a while, so I can see them wanting to wrap it up. <clears throat> so here's the premise. Uh, socially awkward high school student, Otis, must have must not have much experience in the lovemaking department, but he gets good guidance on the topic. In his personal sex education course, living with mom, Jean, who is a sex therapist. Jean is played by Gillian Anderson. Yay. Uh, Being surrounded by manuals, videos, and tedious men conversing about sex, Otis has become a reluctant expert on the subject. When his classmates learn about his home life, Otis decides to use his insider knowledge to improve the status at school. So he teams up with a whip-smart bad girl, Maeve, to set up an underground sex therapy clinic to deal with their classmates problems. But through his analysis of teenage sexuality, Otis realizes that he may need some therapy on his own. Now this is their first season where they have graduated high school and they're going to college and all sorts of roles have been turned upside down. Um, I was most impressed with this episode, with this season than any other season In past seasons, they were trying to figure out... They they did a good job of telling you who these characters are and how they were learning to be who they grow up to be, um, which was brilliant looking back. At the time, watching it, I was like, okay, I kind of see where this is going, but it's really weird and it seems a little forced. But okay, we'll keep going with it. But you get to see these characters basically becoming adults on screen. And they are adults in real life. So it was it It was well deserved to have them into these roles of season four. The fourth and final season was in in no other words a masterpiece. It dealt with a lot of issues that everybody deals with um Part of my job is as a as a trainer, I ride with people and talk to people all the time, and we talk about pretty much everything over time. I found that the more open and honest you are with people, the more the open and honest they are with you. And the one thing that I wanted the most was to be able to do this so that I can have conversations with people and then not feel alone. Too often, we let our insecurities burden us with feelings that end up in self-harm or in harm in others or in general just misused anger. And I think a lot of it is from a lack of self-esteem um, and it's hard to, it's hard to give kids self-esteem when as an adult, you're also trying to find your own self-esteem and this show really awkwardly shows all of that. It shows every angle. It shows everybody's struggle in their own personal way and does it in a way that doesn't feel forced, um, Season four has a lot of the gender politics and navigating of, uh, rights of not only the handicapped, but the, um, handicapable trying to figure out how to be allies, how to, how to, how to help, um, people who are dealing with their sexuality, people who are dealing with, um finding their own voice, people who are dealing with trying to find out how to be a proper friend, um, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, all of these things are highlighted in this show in a way that is not only entertaining but educational, just like the title says, sex education. Um, there are moments of real good therapy in this that basically underlying says you should talk more. You should talk more. You should tell people what you think. You should talk out loud about what you want. You should say the things that are making you happy or sad and realize their emotions that you're allowed to have. We should all listen more. So anyway, I think it's brilliant. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's not something, I wouldn't be like, hey, all 13-year-olds need to watch this. No, 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 no. I mean, me as an adult guy with adult children, um, I would have benefited from this when I was younger. Just, if nothing else, than to have some understanding of communication, the, the importance of open communication a little more the realization that your ideas may be something to to talk to other people about because they may be going through something similar. Uh, And I hope that comes across to younger people. I hope if younger people watch this, their understanding is they need to communicate more with the people around them and find a support group and find your team, find your tribe, you know, we're better together. We're stronger together. We need people around us. We need to feel uh, understood and and vindicated and and seen. Um, everybody wants to be seen and heard. And they did a good job of this around every facet, from my opinion. So hats off to you guys. You did a great job. So I'm going to wrap this up. I know I'm rambling now. Um, I've had a weird flip flop of my schedule from first to third, back to first, and uh, sleep has uh, got me a little loopy. So hope everybody's doing well. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. If you want to talk about anything, uh, let me know. Here's your opportunity to be seen and heard. So, um, yeah, I'm not perfect. Nobody else is either. And the sooner we understand that, the happier we'll all be. I'll take care. Thanks for listening. Uh, support the podcast by giving us a rating, a thumbs up, a share, something like that. Appreciate it. Y'all take care. And if you see me, say hi. Uh, and always end this by saying, cue the cow. Cue the cow. Moo, baby.